You're listening to the Film Comment Podcast from the Cannes Film Festival. Over the next week, Editor-in-Chief Nicholas Rapold and a variety of guests will be discussing the highs and lows of the most famous film event in the world. On today's edition, Jaime Rosales' Petra, Ciro Guerra and Cristina Gallegos' Birds of Passage, Ali Abbasi's Border, and Paul Dano's Wildlife. But first, a word from our sponsors. Autograph Collection Hotels are carefully chosen for their unique design, passion for craft, and an inherent connection to the locale. Each hotel has its own exactly-like-nothing-else story to tell. The Autograph Collection Indie Film Project supports independent film and celebrates the power of storytelling to inspire and connect people and places by leaving a lasting imprint. Autograph Collection Hotels, exactly like nothing else. The Film Comment Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Filmworker. This documentary about Leon Vitale, who gave up acting to work with Stanley Kubrick for decades, offers a rare glimpse into Kubrick's filmmaking process. In theaters starting May 11th, this episode of the Film Comment Podcast is brought to you by MUBI. From timeless masterpieces to festival fresh darlings, every film is hand-selected. Try MUBI free for 30 days at MUBI.com slash for your extended free trial. Hello and welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. Coming to you live at the Cannes Film Festival. My name is Nicholas Rapold. I'm the editor-in-chief of Film Comment. Uh, and we're moving into our third day of the festival. Although, as my uh, guest will explain, maybe the festival in some ways hasn't really started. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm joined by... Uh, Manu Yanez. I'm covering the Cannes Film Festival for Otros Cines Europa. And I'm also a contributor to Film Comment. Yes, and you may know, recognize Manu's name from our Critics' Choice, where he is a regular, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a fixture there, passing judgment <laughs> along with everyone else on, on films. Um, and we're going to go over some of the films we saw today. You know, one thing that's nice to do as you're moving along the festival is kind of figuring out where it's going, where it's headed, and, and what the general idea of the programming might be. And... Uh, I think maybe you have some opinions on that. Yeah. I mean, today is our third day it's of third festival. Day. Second, the second, like, full day of programming. Yeah, right. But, yeah. So my fear... I mean, first of all, I have the feeling that the festival will really... This year's festival will really start tomorrow hmm. with the movies by Pavel Pawlikowski, Jean-Luc Godard, obviously, yes. and uh, Gia Zanke. And uh, up to now... I really have the I have this theory or I have this feeling that we're almost still in the 2017 Cannes Film Festival. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because uh, somehow I, I feel the, up to now the festival has been like a follow-up to last year's festival in several ways. On the one hand, because I can feel in some of these years' movies like the stream of misanthropy. I felt in several movies, uh, several crucial movies from last year's festival, the Haneke movie, the Yorgos Lanthimos movie, the Zviaginzev, hmm. and also the Palme d'Or, right? Right, the square. Right? The square. Yeah, not, not a happy movie, yeah. <laughs> ultimately. So the, the, this, this dark uh, view of, of humanity, I, I can feel that also in, in essentially two movies, which we saw in this last couple of days, which is uh, Everybody Knows was by Asghar Farhadi, and also Petra 
by uh, Jaime Rosales, we, which we just saw. We just saw. It's in yeah. the critics. That one's in the critics' week. Yeah. yeah. And then on, on the other hand, this morning watching Leto by um, Kirill Sebrenikov, the Russian movie, mm. I felt it as a sort of, of uh, follow-up to. Uh, 120 bits per minute. Yes. Uh-huh. From last year, the French movie, this idea of a group of young people trying to find their way in society and trying to search for freedom. So I've been feeling that. And I think we're, we're waiting for, for Godard to open the, the 2018 right. Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to come and cut the ribbon and <laughs> open up <laughs> the sure. festival. Um, <laughs> I, I also just want to mention, I should have mentioned when I introduced you that you're a big time veteran of the festival how many years uh, is this what year is this this is the 14th, 14th i would say yeah 14th year so it's been, mm. been a while yeah so you should believe his opinion <laughs> more than mine um so with yeah let's let's get right to it uh you mentioned petra yes. uh, as one movie um and then i think another movie we want to talk about is birds of passage which i think yeah. people might be curious about as well both in director's fortnight yeah we, we could start by petra sure petra is the story of a young painter female painter who travels to the mansion of a, a great famous catalan established uh, painter and at the beginning her motivation is quite mysterious but then there's a turn of events and you realize why she's there, and then a terrible tragedy unfolds along the movie. It is a movie told in anti-chronological order by chapters, which are titled like the Dogville oh, right. chapters. Yeah, they kind of an old-fashioned, like wordy chapter yeah, wordy, description. Yeah, but also almost in a Brechtian mm-hmm. uh, theater piece where he's. Uh, telling you what he's going to tell right. <laughs> in images. Yeah. So um, Jaime Rosales is a very formalist filmmaker. He's been doing almost uh, some experimental movies, but also working in narrative terms. He made a movie, La Soledad, almost completely in split screen. Mm-hmm. He also made another movie done with zooms, taken by, from very far, mm-hmm. which is Tiro en la Cabeza. And uh, this time he's, I think, experimenting more with narrative, mm-hmm. but as he always does, he tries to be quite theoretical in his work. In this case, constantly moving the camera. I think that along the movies he's been making, he has discovered that the essence of uh, movie making is time and movement and I think he has the, the 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 feeling or the need to express this essence of movie making by constantly moving the camera <laughs> which yeah. is a, a, he, he, a, a, yeah. a choice which I think may work at times but not all the time <laughs> yeah. and then in this case uh, he's also exploring basically pure evil and how, how does he do that? By working with very simple archetypes. There's this terrible villain, and then the son, the, the wife, and they are all suffering because of... The villain the, is the, 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 the artist. The, the power, yeah, yeah, the artist. And uh, in a way, he, he's 
trying to work this uh, w with these archetypes and trying to put them in a sort of mythological narrative where everything is possible <laughs> in terms of pure evil. Right. But uh, I mean, killing yeah. anybody and betraying and lying, yeah. all this sort of... Uh, misanthropic elements <laughs> yeah yeah and kind of kind of big lies like about yeah yes, who's yes. who's uh related to who and, yeah. and that sort of thing that's it and then there's also the, like another aspect to to the movie which i guess i mean just to be to be fair i guess deepens some of these ideas of, of evil yes it's 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 really important and it's uh, part of the story of the son of this evil painter this old man and the son who is also trying to be an artist but is failing in that at some point of the movie uh, goes into a photographic project which consists in taking pictures of mass graves ah okay yes uh, mass graves which probably are from the times of the spanish civil war Mm. which was in the late 30s. And, but the movie happens in nowadays, in contemporary times. So, in a way, the, the movie is also putting this idea of, of pure evil in, in, histori in a historical perspective mm. and, in a way, telling that uh, this pure evil can go down from generation to generation. Mm. And this is another uh, layer of the movie which enriches the whole. But then he's using this anti-chronological way of telling the story to think about evil and the possibility of love and then destroying it. <laughs> and obviously, by approaching to mythology, he's trying to work with a huge canvas. As a, mm. He's very ambitious, yeah. And in a way, I think that the 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 characters maybe are not complex enough yeah. to answer that ambition. Yeah. And Although he has a very strong cast, that uh, or at least a, yeah, I mean, especially like the um, absolutely. The I think the, the actress, the, the main actress, Barbara Leni, for me is the best actress of of her generation, maybe the best actress of Spanish cinema for the past five years, I would say. And she's also in... In Asghar Farhadi. And she's the best one, I think, in, that. in Farhadi's movie. I agree. She's the, she plays the wife of Javier Bardem. Mm -hmm. In Farhadi's movie, she's the only character who can really convey a, a true, complex uh, psychological background yeah, <laughs> in that movie. True. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Um, Javier Bardem in that movie is definitely always pretty fascinating to watch just because he's always so fully bodily and facially and like every, you know, um, to the point that at one point I feel like the audience was kind of reacting to his reactions with, with a bit of uh -huh. laughter because they were, yeah, yeah. but uh, we don't, we don't have to re re rehash everybody. <laughs> everybody knows because I guess by now everybody does know. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, to end up with, with Petra, the same thing he's trying to use as a powerful tool to enrich the narrative, which is this sort of mythological background, and uh, ends up, uh, for me, um, simplifying the whole idea of the movie. Yeah. I mean, 
I couldn't avoid thinking about some of the Gaspar Noé's movies, for example, uh, Irreversible. Oh, irreversible. How was it irreversible. Same irre- thing, yeah. Irreversible. <laughs> they didn't go far with that one. <laughs> yeah, he was also playing with this uh, anti-chronological narrative. Mm-hmm. In the end, to convey this very simple idea, in that movie he said, which was the, like the motto, was like... A, Time kills it all, or something mm, like that. Time kills all, or something time like kills that. Instead all. of time, I guess that's because time heals all. Heals is 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 a phrase. Time yeah. heals. It. So he said, "Time kills all," because <laughs> Gaspar Noé is incorrigible. He's an enfant terrible. He just can't yeah. help it. So I I, I thought yeah. about that while watching yeah. Petra at some point. The actors are amazing, but maybe the concept is not so not so rich as as it wants to be. The Film Comment Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber presenting Tony Ziera's Filmworker. This fascinating documentary introduces audiences to Leon Vitale, who, after starring as Lord Bullingdon in Barry Lyndon, gave up acting to work as Stanley Kubrick's right-hand man. The story of their decades-long collaboration offers a rare glimpse into Kubrick's filmmaking process. An official selection of the 55th New York Film Festival, Filmworker opens May 11th at Metrograph with Q&As before expanding to select cities. The Autograph Collection Indie Film Project celebrates the synergy between independent film and autograph collection hotels. Indie filmmakers and screenwriters tell stories that inspire and connect us. And at Autograph Collection Hotels, storytelling is in our DNA, enabling travelers to connect with each other and places around the world in a memorable way. This dynamic cultural program is anchored in three key programs, screenwriters in residency, free indie films streamed at hotels throughout the U.S. and Canada, a portfolio of beautiful hotels and key film festival destinations? Learn more by visiting autographcollectionhotels.com. Autograph Collection Hotels, exactly like nothing else. While we're here reporting from the Croissette, those who aren't with us can still enjoy the films of Cannes. Mubi is presenting a fantastic lineup of favorites from past years of the festival. Now showing on Mubi is Nuri Bilga Jalan's Winter Sleep. This captivating Palme d'Or winner is a rich Chekhovian drama flush with exquisite beauty. Discover this along with 29 other hand-picked films streaming right now on Mubi for free. Just go to mubi.com slash film comment to claim your extended 30-day free trial. I was just going to say about Petra that it's it's interesting to talk about a movie that really isn't on people's radar from the outside of Cannes. But Birds of Passage, I think, might be more because it's it's a movie that's probably going to be known as kind of like a crime family movie crossed with a sociological look yes. um, at, at, at a family. Um, uh, but just before that, I, yeah. I want to say that Jaime Rosales, the, the Spanish director of Petra, mm-hmm. has shown almost all his previous movies in Cannes. Oh, I mean, I didn't with, his, that. with his first movie, he, he won the Fipresi Prize in the director's fourth night, mm. with a movie which was called the, the Hours of the Day, and which is quite connected to, to, to Petra. Mm. But let's go to Birth of Passage. Yes. Uh, yeah, you were presenting it as a sort of uh, gangster saga with a touch of uh, ethnographic approach to uh, indigenous uh, yeah. life and yeah. uh, ri- rituals yeah. and traditions, which was in his previous movie, Embrace of the Serpent, which I think was nominated for an Oscar. Yes. For foreign language movie. And um, with this one, he's being more ambitious. 
uh, I could interview them, both directors. The movie is directed by uh, two Colombian filmmakers, Ciro Guerra and Cristina Gallego, which was the producer of uh, the previous uh, Ciro Guerra movies. And uh, while talking to them, it was very clear that they were trying to make like a, a bigger movie. They aren't happy with uh, this image of Latin American filmmakers having to make this uh, small, tiny compact movies and they wanted to make this uh, sort of w what we said this this mm. gangster saga yeah. which uh, can be easily sold as a sort of prequel of the whole the whole um, narcos universe you know <laughs> right. because this movie is showing the beginning of the cartel business because it tells the story of uh, two families who at some point start harvesting and uh, doing business with uh, marijuana and selling them to some young American kids who are very weirdly in Colombia in 1960s trying to spread the anti-communist spirit. Right. Are they their Peace Corps, I think? They're in yes. the Peace Corps? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's kind of like a running joke in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Then the, the, the story unfolds in terms of these uh, families, which, ha which are um, Indians, Col uh, Colombian Indians, yeah. but, um, and, and they follow the rituals of their, and their traditions, but all this ancestry uh, falls down when they fall in the hands of capitalism. Mm. And I think the movie makes an interesting journey in terms of possible references. At the beginning, for me, it was very interesting to, to think a possible connection between the movie and Taboo. Hmm. Not the Miguel Gomez movie, but the original Taboo by Robert Flaherty and Murnau. Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, they are showing how the Indians are corrupted by the arrival of Western uh, civilization. Mm. In that first part, there's a very interesting portrayal of these rituals and traditions, but then everything becomes this saga of uh, violence and vengeance. And then the main reference, uh, for me at least, becomes the American cinema of the 70s. And while talking to them, interviewing them this morning, the <laughs> The title they mentioned more were, uh, was uh, Godfather. Uh-huh. Yeah, Godfather. I'm sure they, yeah, they want to be. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I was thinking more while watching the movie in the Scorsese movies, uh, Casino and Goodfellas, in the way Scorsese portrays uh, from a microscopic point of view, like a global process, uh, macroeconomic process yeah. of capitalism. Yeah. Uh, devouring the lives of yeah. of the main characters so yeah i don't know um <laughs> doesn't does quite get there no for for me for me it's uh, the the first part is much more interesting than the second part mm. because when they decide to make this saga the, the movie happens between 1960 and 1980 mm. and so we have several generations trying to find their way into this hole drug war for me became like more 
routine. Not, not, not only routine or not only simplistic, but maybe circular. Okay. They, they were uh, repeating a pattern. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For example, the, they are working with this very uh, typical or easy to identify relationship between two men, which is both in the Scorsese movies and in The Godfather, the figure of the responsible man and the figure mm -hmm. of the right. like non-responsible friend or brother or right. who makes everything impossible. And this happens twice in the movie. So mm -hmm. uh, I had the feeling that they wanted to make it so big and right. uh, didn't know really how to control maybe that this ambition. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. The, the, in the beginning, uh, I even felt an echo of The Godfather. Uh, you mentioned that it starts with a ritual um, that the tribe yes. has. And it's it's like a womanhood ritual for, for young women. So it starts off with that and that's also you know where the the first encounter <laughs> to use mm, that phrase yes. happens um and that kind of made me thought a little bit about the godfather starting out with a wedding where yes. you get through that you get introduced to a whole culture and subculture in a way um so but yeah i mean True. they did set their sights high um <laughs> in, in in this one and what else did you see what, what have you seen these days what have i seen little old me um i saw well the thing I want to talk about today is Border, which is a movie in Uncertain Regard by Ali Abbasi. And it's, I believe it's based on a story by uh, the person who wrote Let the Right One In. So knowing that, you kind of know there might be a bit of a supernatural element, or not supernatural, but otherworldly element. Uh, and basically the premise of the story is you get introduced to this character who is a customs agent who just inspects everyone who comes through it's at a port like on a, a, from ships uh, and checks their goods for you know smuggling or you know contraband like drugs or too much booze that sort of thing um what's special about the character is that she is you don't understand how exactly but she's different in some way physically she's a little different she kind of has a uh, you know sort of a heavy brow and you also realize that after a while that she's kind of literally sniffing people out mm. so she's she's kind of smelling the air so you realize that she's maybe not quite human in some way that develops over the course of the movie and especially when she meets another person who is like her uh in that way and mm. i mean i found it completely absorbing the actress whose name i wish i knew the actress, the lead actress is phenomenal and she's under a whole bunch of makeup and she's just radiates like expressively through, through all of that because this inspector is kind of, she, she lives with a guy who's like a complete loser and, and is, you know, clearly ignoring her. So, and she, she already has a yearning that something's wrong in her life. Mm. Um, you know, and then she has an awakening of another yearning that, you know, she doesn't know her own background. She doesn't know who she is really. Uh, and when she meets this this other guy who is kind of you know physically like her, but it's it's not it's not like a uh, you know it's not a fantastical thriller or anything. It's really actual just a drama of. Mm. This sounds like a Disney movie, but it's a drama of her discovering herself and also coming to terms with her own principles and some idea of human principles versus. And now I'm sounding like it's a superhero movie or something, but, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's, it's just a very well-made well movie, and 
uh, her performance especially carries you through because you're completely completely sympathize with with her plight but just a strange story to undertake in in such a serious way i mean it's there's definitely a whole strand of humor throughout it about 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 the situation which i guess is good because it doesn't take you know it all too seriously but also doesn't like laugh at her which you could also very easily do because she's Uh you know totally the fish out of water i mean she isn't she isn't there there's acceptance um because she's you know integrated into you don't really know how or why she came to be in this position in human society Uh um and she has a a father who's i guess an adoptive father because he's a human um so there's a whole mystery that the movie kind of slowly unravels for you on that on that front Uh, and she's also investigating a horrible case uh, at a certain point (laughs) um and i i don't know i i I really i really liked it i mean i talked to someone who's like (laughs) He was like, I said, like, did you see that movie? He's like, yeah, the one about the woman who smells. And I said, <laughs> I said no, you can't call it that. Um, uh, yeah, that was, that's an uncertain regard. And, and I guess very, yeah, I'm very glad to have seen a strange film like that. A film that you go into and you don't know if after half an hour you're just going to leave. But, you know, it's just a pleasing mystery of identity, I guess. And again, mm. uh, without pushing that as in a profound way. Mm. Um the other, the guy who plays her match, he just has this real menace throughout and a real kind of beastliness that, that mm. kind of comes out. I don't, mm. I don't know. And they, they're just, they're very, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, they're also like, they have a natural affinity with animals, which is really mm. funny. So she'll just like, you know, stand, a moose will come up to her and stand with her. Mm. So there's something sweet about that vision of harmony. I, mm. what can I say? I'm just gesturing futile, futile <laughs> to, to, to Manu right now about uh, how the movie kind of surprised me. But it's Border. I'm pretty sure this will come out at, at some mm. point in the, in the U.S. Mm. But I, I'm curious how people talk about it. It's uh, the movie itself is kind of an unusual beast. <laughs> yeah, sounds difficult to yeah to, to put in some some box yeah exactly, exactly. It's, it's hard to put it in a certain 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 genre because it's like i mean but on the other hand i was pretty conscious that this sort of stuff is played out a lot in in tele- tv shows or something you know mm. um any any character who's who's the kind of humanoid character you know in any kind of uh, star trek spinoff or like this yeah. sort of thing plays out a lot or, or x-men x-men exactly yeah. or um what else am i think alien nation you know mm. that that kind yeah. of thing is but i didn't think about i mean i was a i did think about that but it, the movie carry holds its own mm. um mm. very well um but that's yeah that's that's border i, I guess not a, not a movie that will necessarily get a lot of press i mean no maybe they're Danish stars, I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. what else? What else? I also saw Petra, and uh, also felt it fell short of the mark. And well, Manu, you you said that you had seen uh, Wildlife, which is not most of the movies here. They really try to make them world premieres. I think just about, I think all the, the competition on certain regard. But what Wildlife is actually in had its world premiere at Sundance, where, which is where yes. I saw it, and had yes. you know one kind of response to it. But I'm really curious to hear what your response was to it here. If you... I had the most unexpected and maybe astonishing response, which was a complete identification with the character and the story. And it's a... Uh, this is, this a, is the Paul, Paul Dano movie, yeah, is Paul, what it yeah, is. Yeah, Paul Dano's <laughs> first, first directed yeah. movie. 
and it's the story. It's this adaptation of the Richard F uh, Richard Ford mm. novel, and it's a story of uh, a couple who goes to live to Montana, and then the husband loses the job, and then there's like a huge fire in the mountains, and he decides to go there and leave the wife and the kid and his kid, and then things happen. <laughs> mm. uh, basically, the wife discovers uh, like a, a new life and a new possibility for happiness. And I had a very, very intense reaction because my parents separated when I was more or less the age of the main character. And the experiences he has with his mother in the movie, I could relate to them, to almost all of them, uh, so intensely. It was a, a, a voyage <laughs> mm. uh, to, to, to another time for, as, a, as a person and as a viewer, because I was living the movie the way I lived the movies when I was a kid. Just purely connecting it, identifying with the characters, and it was intense, very yeah. intense. Yeah. And so, so in a way, I could say that I, I don't, I don't feel myself able to uh, talk about the movie in objective terms. But I think uh, if the movie moved me so much, it has to have something. I think I can analyze more rationally some some elements for example the misunderstand choices which uh, Paul Dano makes mm. for example constantly all along the movie he's putting the camera so close to the characters and just putting the face of the character in focus and all the rest is out of focus mm -hmm. and this is a way to express how the characters cannot see beyond themselves and yeah. I mean I, I, could, I, could feel, yeah. I, I could feel that uh, Dano knew what he was doing which is not so uh, it's not yeah. so typical with movies directed by first movies directed by actors yeah and it was also very interesting to see how the actors uh, worked in the movie, especially mm. Carrie Mulligan, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. which is an actress that maybe I'm not so fascinated by because she tends to be very like monotonous. Yeah, a bit monotonous, yeah. Monotonous in, yeah. in the movie. Uh, I mean, she's always embodying these delicate, fragile movies, uh, uh, women who are constantly falling into despair and crying. <laughs> but in this case, she starts by embodying the typical Carrie Mulligan character, but then she becomes alive and, and she, she becomes a sort of Jenna Rowland's crazy mother character. I thought at some point in Jenna Rowland's in uh, the Neon Bible. Oh, by uh, Terence Davis, right? Yeah. She's finding her way, at the same time suffering, but mm. being this very difficult person, but also not leaving aside her role as a mother. And that's very interesting. And you could feel that she wasn't that comfortable there. I mean, Mulligan. But I think that makes it, uh, makes the movie more interesting. Mm. In fact, makes the movie less monotonous yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there's some imperfection which makes it more interesting yeah uh, so it was quite an experience to watch it yeah really yeah. it was very moving
Well, I think that's a wonderful way for us to conclude. Uh, probably the sort of experience that we're all always hoping for. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, we, we are always hoping for something like that. Well, thank you so much, Manu, for, for being on the podcast. Thank you. It's been, and thanks for having me. It's of been course, great. Yeah. And thank you, our listeners. Uh, tune in next time, i.e. tomorrow, uh, for more from the Cannes Film Festival. Don't forget to check out Winner's Sleep, now streaming on Mubi. Claim your extended 30-day free trial at mubi.com slash film comment. That's M-U-B-I dot com slash film comment. The Film Comment podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Filmworker. This documentary about Leon Vitale, who gave up acting to work with Stanley Kubrick for decades, offers a rare glimpse into Kubrick's filmmaking process. In theaters starting May 11th. Autograph collection hotels are carefully chosen for their unique design, passion for craft, and an inherent connection to the locale. Each hotel has its own exactly-like-nothing-else story to tell. The Autograph Collection Indie Film Project supports independent film and celebrates the power of storytelling to inspire and connect people and places by leaving a lasting imprint. Autograph Collection Hotels, exactly like nothing else.